All right. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to this electrifying episode of the Geek Garage podcast, the most inclusive and accessible nerd culture audio program on the interwebs. I'm your host, David Dassaw, and joined with me is uh, the 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 progital the the pro- progital son returns. <laughs> so close, David. So just and I, yet, would, I was so tra- I was <laughs> trying to pull a purposeful Michael Scott and and introduce you in. The shittiest way possible, which I feel like is fitting, right? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty well, actually. Yeah, yeah. The so, definition <laughs> of wedding is the fusing of two hot metals. <laughs> the, uh, the Webster's Dictionary defines wedding as the fusing of two metals with a hot torch. Uh. <laughs> um. Anyways, so I think that's the record for uh, the quickest we've ever brought up uh, an office reference, probably, uh, yeah. like within the first ninety seconds of the yeah. podcast. Um. But no. Ted, welcome back to the show. Um, hey, buddy. Uh, I have missed you dearly. Um, and, we still uh, talk. It's not. This, <laughs> oh, well, I'm sorry. I, we don't want to. We don't want to give him too too behind the scenes look at the podcast here. This is the first <laughs> time we've spoken since the last time I was on the show. <laughs> yes. Yeah. When when you announced that you had better things to do than this shitty well, ass podcast that makes no money, more expensive uh, at least. <laughs> um. No, you you uh, you had some stuff to do and to, to take care of, and and then we we decided to never talk again. <laughs> yes, uh, we, I believe we, the last thing you said to me was, and I'm I'm quoting directly here. This is this is a very hurtful thing you said to me. Fuck your stupid face. You're dead to me. You fat ass. Fuck. <laughs> Which hurtful. First of all, <laughs> right, but no. not inaccurate. Also, so <laughs> yeah, I just sent you the uh, the the gif of Chris Griffin about to cut the the rope on the stairs and he's like come on you fat fuck dude <laughs> do it <laughs> do it uh well um yeah this, this got out of hand really quickly also <laughs> uh, i mean it, it's bold of you to assume that it was ever it was at like, any in, point in hand in yes. hand <laughs> yes um but yeah we were here to talk about the batman not just batman but the batman yeah the article is important yes um yeah, it's not like facebook where yeah. like you can drop the, the you you need the batman in, you know, in this particular I, I, i'm actually a fan of the the in front of the facebook the facebook <laughs> the twitter you know those things mm. yeah. i mean it it does have a, a certain panache i guess yeah. yeah it makes me feel like a boomer which is about the only time i'm ever going to feel like a winner so <laughs> <laughs> exactly i mean anytime you can refer to yourself as a boomer is yeah. uh, is a plus right context I mean, matters i think and then <laughs> <laughs> yeah complain about the uh high gas prices while uh, driving a uh, 70 gallon pickup truck <laughs> yeah yeah that gets like 14 feet per tank yes i understand <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly i'm gonna blow a quarter of it in the sonic parking lot when i rev my fucking <laughs> yeah i'm a bitch about this damn gas prices and blame joe biden but i'm gonna do a sick burnout too though <laughs> <laughs> Watch me peel out of this fucking Mapco parking lot. Yeah, not there's anything wrong with buying your gas at the Mapco, which I have done on occasion when I didn't have money to buy at a real establishment. But <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> what does Mapco have fake gas? <laughs> I don't know. Now I want to know. <laughs> uh, at one point in time, uh, someone told me that Mapco gas is not great. Like they were like, "Oh, they water it down," and I was like, "What?" Like, like, uh, what does Dasani own? Like, (laughs) (laughs) 
to, I don't understand what's happening here. Um, but anyways, I don't know if you guys know this, but gas in an engine combusts. That's why they're called internal combustion engines. And I feel like putting water in them would stop that from doing that. <laughs> somewhat counterproductive. Yeah. Yes. Just a tedious bit though. Yeah, just just a little bit. So yeah, the Batman. That was a movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so before we dive into uh, our thoughts on the Batman, uh, you can insert snappy title here like five awesome things about the Batman or, you know, like Robert Pattinson fucking brought it or, you know. Gone sexual. <laughs> yeah, like something like really snappy where like we hired uh, actual PR people to write mm-hmm the the titles for our episode you can insert that here um whereas we just have like you know a title called the batman yeah so we did a uh, we actually did a facebook poll uh Uh-oh. this week <clears throat> yeah we're back at it with these uh with this poll we're back on the poll mm. um as it were and we wanted to know who your favorite batman was <clears throat> i thought that i uh adjusted the poll so people could choose more than one if, if you had like a, a couple favorite Batman, but <clears throat> apparently not because I went to go like select more than one, but it only let me choose one. I was like, all right, well, I'll just go fuck myself. So, um, yeah, people only got to pick one. I apologize, uh, but whatever. It's not that big of a deal. None, none of this matters. Yeah, that is correct. <laughs> Um, I, I have carried on saying that so a, a, a lot of Ted isms that, uh, were coined or brought to the podcast have continued on, um, after I, I'm your... glad you're keeping my memory alive, even though I'm not dead. <laughs> the, the memory of you as a co-host is still alive and well on the show. Well. So, yeah. Uh, so, uh, tied for first place, uh, as of, I, I think this afternoon was the last time I checked, uh, Kevin Conroy and Christian Bale, they were tied for first, um, for you idiots who don't know who Kevin Conroy is. <laughs> we're super inclusive unless you're a fucking dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, uh, I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, so Kevin Conroy, he voiced the, uh, animated Batman mm, series, yep, yep. um, in the uh, it, it ran basically just in the 90s right that, that was kind of the the main run right? yeah um for for the animated series yeah but he also has done a lot of stuff since then i, I know yeah. he did a couple of the animated films um mm-hmm. he did the arkham games oh yeah that's right yeah which are which are all, i i really highly recommend them if you're into that type of game they're very very cool yeah i've heard nothing but great things about the uh, the arkham asylum games um uh, they're on my list. I'll eventually get to them. Um, I, I guess now would be a, a decent time because I haven't played any games in a while. And uh, it's obvious that I'm not getting a PS5 any time. <laughs> no, soon. no one else is. I refuse to believe that they're a real thing. PS6s but, will be out first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I feel you on the games thing, man. I got like two games that I was super excited about uh, on like a Black Friday sale. Oh, yeah. And, and they said uh on my dvd rack unopened so (laughs) (laughs) excellent yeah Yeah. that's what you want doing great (laughs) yeah uh (laughs) right exactly uh second place uh went to michael keaton which i thought that's you know that's pretty accurate and representative uh third place robert pattinson got a couple votes and then uh fourth place was will arnett who of course voiced 
the uh, the Lego Batman from both uh, obviously the Lego Batman movie and then the Lego movie. I I, I haven't seen the second Lego movie, so I, I don't know if he's in that as well. But I know he was at least in the the first Lego movie. And then <clears throat> all the other Batman that I listed, like um, I keep on wanting to say James Woods, but no, nope, <laughs> not definitely some, not correct. <laughs> uh, Maybe because they're they're both like kind of quote unquote characters from Family Guy, um, James Woods and uh, what's the uh, um, Mayor Adam West, Mayor yeah. Mayor Adam West, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Adam West. He was on there, so you know I, I listed a bunch, and then of course I gave people the option to add mm-hmm. ones that I maybe didn't think of. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's what got the votes. It's kind of what I expected to see. Um, I was kind of surprised that Will Arnett got any votes. Um. Yeah, I was I was going over the notes and I was like, huh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, teach, so yeah, teach their own though. You know, not everybody likes the super gritty, dark. Also, he has a very nice voice. Yeah, uh, yeah Will he Arnett. Nice he's. Uh, he, he, He's right up there, like top top ten, like most distinguished or distinguishable. Um, yeah, distinct. Yeah, I, I think that's that's best. This is exactly why I invited you back on the podcast. Is <laughs> because I just say like ten. You know, words, words good. <laughs> like I, I am like. I turn to that page in the thesaurus and say all the words around it. <laughs> <laughs> not the the right one. Uh, it means because... corpulent. Do you mean fat? Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a fat joke. How gauche? How gauche, indeed. <laughs> yes, quite. Uh, all right, so we're done with the uh, the fucking Facebook poll. So let's let's jump into the actual film. So uh, first, I guess we're we're gonna give our general uh, overall thoughts and feelings and opinions. Um. Do do we want to wait until the end to give like our our star rating or, or whatever out of ten score? I mean, yeah. Or let's just free ball it, man. We can do that. That's fine. Okay. Well, I mean, I'll I'll be honest. I ranked this pretty high uh, in my letterbox, um, which is something that I started doing thanks to you, Ted. You. It came highly recommended by you. And I didn't realize how great it was at uh, keeping track of movies when it mm. comes to like the shit that doesn't suck segment. So now like I just break open my letterbox and see what I've been logging recently. So um, yeah, it definitely comes handy for that. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, I, I gave this uh, uh, I'm pretty torn between like an eight or nine. Um, it's, it's somewhere around there, but uh, yeah, I uh, I'll go ahead and say I, I enjoyed this movie quite a bit. Um, I I thought the cinematography was amazing. The sound mixing was um <clears throat> a breath of fresh air after uh watching all three uh, Nolan movies in a row, um and having my ears blasted off. <laughs> um, no shit. <laughs> st- still, nothing will ever be as bad as Interstellar. Um. <clears throat> because once you go interstellar, you go deaf. Um, or just, you know, when, once you go Nolan, you go deaf. Uh, so yeah, there's that. Um, and, uh, you know, there's just a, a plethora of other things that, uh, 
I really enjoyed about it. it there were things that I um, could have done without or didn't care for, uh, which we can get into. But <clears throat> yeah, just for the sake of brevity as of right now, I'll, um, I'll pass it to you, Ted, and hear your thoughts. Yeah. Um, I would say personally, I would give this a solid seven out of 10. Okay. Um, the things that I like, or that I think it did well, I, I really, really liked, or I think it did incredibly well. And the things that I didn't like, I really fucking hate it. So, <laughs> so I, well, and like you said, we'll get into that. Uh, I agree. I think the movie is, is very, very interestingly shot and composed um, in, in the terms, in terms of both shot composition, as well as the, um, the soundtrack and, and, mm-hmm. and what uh, I can't ever pronounce the guy's name is Michael Giacchino, Giacano. I don't know. He did the, he did it. He's on a bunch of soundtracks. He guys been working forever, but he's very talented. Um, I really dug, I really dug that vibe of it as well. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. So um, I would say it was a solid seven out of 10. I, uh, I don't know how deep you want to get into it right now, um, but I do have a lot of thoughts on it, of course. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I have just a bunch of like various bullet points, but, um, I mean, we can, let's see. Um, I guess let's, let's start with Robert Pattinson's performance as, uh, as Bruce Wayne slash Batman. I think, I think before we go any further, we should probably say from here on out, there's going to be spoilers. (laughs) Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've done a pretty good job so far of not hitting any, but I think at this point from now on, there probably will be. Yeah. Um, so if you're listening to this and you have not seen it and you care about spoilers, uh, go ahead and turn it off. Uh, get your ass to the movie theater. Watch the movie. Um, strap your balls in. Uh, go to the bathroom first because it is like three hours long. It's um, very long. And uh, it does feel like that. It's not like Avengers Endgame where it like flies by. Um, no, you felt three fucking hours. <laughs> <laughs> you, in fact, did. Um, so, yeah, make sure you uh, go pee pee first. Uh, and then, and then watch the film, but, uh, yeah, so let's, let's talk about Robert Pattinson as uh, Bruce Wayne and Batman. Um, me personally, I thought he did a pretty good job. Uh, my, I think my biggest, like, I guess, quote unquote gripe is that we didn't get a ton of Bruce Wayne. Um, I mean, if they're kind of saving this for the sequels, which I've heard that there will be, um, that's, that's fine. And makes uh makes my gripe i guess a little less valid um but still like i felt like um getting a little bit more bruce wayne would have been cool because we would have seen uh that side of uh robert pattinson's um performance as um the character so but overall i thought he was a pretty uh pretty cool batman very interesting take um and uh yeah. Um, I don't know. Ted, what'd you think? Yeah, I agree. Um, <clears throat> I, I, I dug the characterization of Batman in this film and I think he really nailed kind of what they were going for of that, you know, this is supposed to be like year two of Batman's existence. So he's a younger guy, still kind of figuring things out. I, mm-hmm. I also liked that they didn't really show like the suave playboy aspect of Bruce Wayne. Mm, yeah he was just like a fucking damaged guy uh which which i i thought was an interesting take and and one that other iterations have kind of flirted with but 
mm-hmm. not really hit like this one. Like this one really leaned into it, which I thought was cool. Um, I was talking with a friend of another friend of mine before uh, seeing it. And uh, I was like, I just want the super gritty try hard. I listen to death metal on my off days, Batman that I've never gotten. <laughs> and he was like, well, you're we got good news for you. <laughs> um, so, so I dug that. So uh, I, I, I kind of agree with you though. Like I would have liked to have seen more as him trying to be Bruce Wayne, like mm-hmm. Bruce Wayne as quote unquote, a normal person. Yeah. Um, I thought that would have been, that was one thing that I felt was kind of lacking from the film. I'll, I'll agree with that. But generally speaking, I, I like all this we did. I thought his hair was too long. That was kind of my one complaint. Uh, I, mm. I thought that his hair was too long. I had uh, trouble imagining how he fit his fucking cowl over it. Uh, <laughs> but otherwise, I thought I thought him as Batman was was great. Yeah. Yeah. The whole uh, dark and brooding thing. Um, I, I loved like, I mean, th- of course, this was part of the writing, but I loved like getting to see the detective side of the character. Like 100%. We've always gotten like a little bit of detective or, or, you know, a, a medium amount. Uh, I think with a, uh, most of the Batman iterations, but like this went really hard in the paint with um, the, the detective side, like how he was able to solve a lot of the Riddler's clues and, uh, I loved him working alongside um, Jim Gordon a lot. Yeah, like, throughout the movie. Yeah, I, I really dug that that iteration or that aspect of the iteration as well, where they're like, you know, he's the world's greatest detective or the Dark Knight detective or, or what have you. You know, mm-hmm. he's, he's called a few different things in the comics, and and I mean, you know, you look at like the Nolan trilogy, for example, and it's got him. Like in the Dark Knight, he's putting the bullet back together to get a fingerprint, which is kind of fucking stupid if you stop to think about it. Um, but it kind of tried to show that like he's got the detective skills. But this one, he actually like has like case files and is like going over things like like you know a, a detective would. And right, I, I really dug that because we haven't seen it kind of, at least that I'm aware of in a film get get as deep as that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um... Yeah, there's that. Uh, I, I just thought of something else. Um, one one thing that I really liked was, uh, I mean, this kind of has to do with him playing um, Bruce Wayne and Batman, but also like tangentially related to other things. Um, they they didn't beat you over the head with any like it wasn't very exposition heavy or like they felt like they had to fill you in on events that have happened like in yeah. the past. Like yeah. I, I felt like this movie assumes a lot. Like it assumes that you're already familiar with Batman. Like, thank God we didn't get any scenes or flashbacks or anything of Bruce's parents getting shot. Yeah. I will say that uh, if I have to see Thomas and Martha Wayne get shot one more fucking time in a movie, I'm going to, fucking cry it's martha (laughs) it's just it's one of those things right it's like superhero movies are here to stay and they're going to be rebooted as actors get older or they decide they don't want to do it anymore or like Mm -hmm. if they underperform and they try to go a different direction with that character what have you like this is just that's just a fact of life we don't need to see the same fucking 10 minute origin story in every movie that comes out right like i think right i think at this point the zeitgeist is 
is at such a point where everybody knows the story of Batman, right? Mm -hmm. Like my grandmother knows the fucking backstory of Batman and she's 88 (laughs) years old. You know what I mean? It's one of those things where it's like, it's basically a cornerstone of, of pop culture, right? Like we don't, we don't need to keep seeing it. So I'm glad I agree with you a hundred thousand percent. That was one of my favorite aspects of the film is they were just like, you know who fucking Batman is, right? You don't need to, you don't need to see all the shit. We can talk about it and kind of mention it a little bit and, and have it drive some of his pathos, but like, we don't need to see it for the thousandth time, which I was like, thank you for not insulting our collective intelligence. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, and, and while we're on uh, character analysis, uh, you, let's, you know, segue a little way from Batman and onto some of the other characters, uh, such as Zoe Kravitz as uh, Catwoman. What'd you think of uh, her performance? I thought it was great. I, I thought it was one of the better characterizations of Catwoman that we've seen in a film. Yeah. Um, it's pretty obvious that this story and this world that they created with the film was very heavily influenced by like year one. Mm, yeah. Um, and her character was pretty, it wasn't a copy paste. Like obviously they changed some things that make to, to make her character make more sense in this world. But uh, a lot of her, drive if you will was kind of from that story and uh i really i really dug that i i dug that she wasn't just like a cat burglar really like she had some other complicated motivations um i liked it also she didn't just like let batman run over her in in a way like Mm -hmm. where uh, the scene i'm thinking of or the sequence i'm thinking of in particular is where she's wearing the contact oh yeah and he's like we got to do this and she's just like no fuck you i'm gonna go find out what this guy knows <laughs> i thought that was cool it's like she so she, she was a more fully fleshed out character i think than she might have been in in a different script if that makes sense yeah no i i definitely agree with that i i do like the fact that she got a backstory like i I actually really liked Anne Hathaway as Catwoman, but mm. like I, I liked uh, just like what you said about how they they aped a lot of um, uh, like the backstory and the <clears throat> the reasons for why she is who she is from year one. Mm. I liked how they kind of tie that in, how she was kind of brought up um, and raised in the uh, what is it the the name of the bar i oh yeah the, uh, the 44 below yeah um i almost wanted to call it the ice box that's not right i think it's the iceberg lounge yeah right and that, then the, the club within the club is the 44 below i think right. that's yeah. right yeah um yeah so her like being raised in there like her mom working there and then she ends up working there like i, I right. feel like that all tracks and that gives her like proper motivation to um you know have this close relationship with, you know, her roommate who also works there and then um, wants to seek revenge on Falcone who ends up being her dad. So um, yeah, I, uh, I thought that was all uh, pretty interesting. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't like the twist, which uh, twist is the wrong word because that was one of the most telegraphed fucking things I've ever seen. But Mm. Um, where it was like, oh, by the way, Carmine Falcone's your dad. I was just like, oh, okay. You know? <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I'm a bit indifferent with that. I I didn't mind it, but I could tell. I was like, oh, yeah, I, I can tell some, some people are going to have issues with this for one reason or another. Um, 
I'm I'm interested to to hear your thoughts on it as to exactly why it, unless it just boils down to like yeah like I mean I like it's not the worst twist that's ever been put in a movie right mm-hmm. and like I I understand it I can track the logic of it so to speak but I it's just one of those things where it's like and I'm going to, I'm going to say this about this movie a lot. It's just one thing that I was like, or one more thing that I'm like, okay, you could have cut that out and nothing would have been different. Right. Mm-hmm. Like the movie would have been, cause look, the movie's three hours long and I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm too good to watch a three hour movie. Like some of my favorite movies are fucking longish. Like Ben Hur. It's like, a, you got to plan your day around watching that movie. Right. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. and I love it. It's a, it's a fantastic film. I think everybody should watch it. Or um, like war and peace with the, the Russian version of war and peace. It's like, that's your whole day. Like you wake up, you hit play. And then when your movie's over, you go to sleep. Like, so it's like, I, I like long movies if they're done well. And I think this one overall is done well, but it's like, man, three yeah. hours is a big fucking ask for, for a superhero movie. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I totally get that. Um, let's see. What about, um, let's see. Let's, let's say Paul Dano for, uh, for last since he was the, uh, the big bad. Um, mm. Let's see. So uh, obviously we got Sean Turturro as uh, Falcone or Falcone. Uh, mm. I, I th- they pronounce him Falcone in uh, in this movie, and but I've I think Falcone was the pronunciation f- in The Dark Knight. Um, it, I, it might be. I, I can't remember. Um, yeah, it's probably I, one of those tomato tomato I, kind yeah, of things. I, I love John Turturro as an actor, and I thought he was an interesting. I think he brought some interesting things to the character because it would have been so easy for them to just be like, you're a mob guy, be a mob guy. You know what I mean? And then mm-hmm. it's just like, he's, he's just doing like a bad impersonation of like Ray Liotta doing a bad impersonation of like Robert De Niro. You know what I mean? Right. So I'm, I'm glad that he kind of brought something different to it. And it's like, you know, obviously he's, he's a mobster and he's a mob guy, but um, it wasn't just like, look at me over here you know what i mean like it wasn't just like here's a bad new jersey accent um so i dug i dug his his portrayal a lot yeah yeah i did too um it it was yeah it it was different but if it felt fitting at the same time like yeah it it felt within within his range like and i don't want to like I don't want to say like that's settling like, Oh, well, you know, I'm totally fine with that. Like, like I, I felt like he played Falcone the way that John Turturro was meant to play Falcone. Yeah. I, I like that. He brought kind of like a quiet violence to the character. Yeah. Yeah. And exactly. it where it's just like, he's on the surface joking around like the scene where they're at the, they're going into the funeral and Bruce is like, storming up the stairs trying to see because he thinks selena is with with them yeah and uh and he turns around and and the penguin and a couple other guys are like goons or whatever like hey well you know what you're doing and he's just like oh easy fellas easy and it's like the whole time it's just like one word from him and you're fucking dead man you know what i mean Mm, yeah i I thought that was really cool and and i i kind of i really dug again the way he brought in kind of the manipulation where Mm. he's like just the way he's like very casually explaining like, yeah, your father came to me and you know, this and that. And he's like, I'm sorry you had to hear it this way. It's been a long time coming. You know, that just real manipulative, like, yeah, you know, psychological like mind games. Uh, I thought was really cool. 
Yeah, he he did a really good job with that. Like, because, you know, he's not like this jacked dude that, like, right. you know, could beat this. Sh- like, you know, Batman could obviously take this dude. But, uh, you know, so he's he's kind of like playing to his strengths. And he's just like what you said, like playing mind games with him. And um, he's he's like sounding like he can overpower him uh like mentally but at the same time he's like i'm also your friend right like it's it feels very like backhanded like where like you want to hate him but at the same time like he's trying to be your friend and it's it's like very like mentally (laughs) like confusing i guess right right uh i I don't know how to better explain that but yeah that's that's kind of how it felt to me i was like oh god i want to fucking hate this guy but like (laughs) like it's it's not so cut and dry black and white so yeah i think my favorite actor or character or portrayal or what have you in the film is colin farrell as as the penguin yeah yeah i i just i like i know that's colin farrell i understand that i accept that as a fact of reality but it's like it's not (laughs) you know what i mean it's like yeah uh and i know that you know he's under a lot of prosthetics and this and that but like completely changed to a different person for me. And I, I thought that that was a very, because the penguin's a character that doesn't work, really work in a real world kind of setting. Right. Yeah. He's a very comic book kind yeah, of character. Yeah, exactly. And, and I, I like that they kept him as true to the comic roots as they could have. Like he's got the, the long nose like he does in the books and like, he's kind of got some facial deformities, Mm -hmm. but they didn't do it where he's got like some weird made up disease where his, his hands and feet are like fins. Right. So like they, they made it just realistic enough. Um, and, and I like that, you know, I was given, uh, when I was talking about Totoro's performance, I was like, you know, I'm glad he wasn't just doing like a bad New Jersey accent. And at the same time, like, that's what I found so endearing about this portrayal of, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Cobblepot is that like in historically he's been sort of like um, a cast off of like posh society or like got a British snobbery to him. And right. in this one, he's just like, some scumbag from Gotham city, which I was like, oh, that works. You know, I, I thought, I thought it worked for this iteration. I, I really dug it as a, as a departure. That was one of the departures they did that I really, really was on board with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially with him being, you know, connected to Falcone, um, it, it made sense for him to be, you know, uh, to, to have that mob uh, kind of draw to him mm-hmm. instead of, you know, the, the more traditional, what we're familiar with in the comics. Right. So, right. But you're right. If I had a million guesses as to who played uh, the penguin, I don't know if I'd ever guess Colin. Yeah, Colin Farrell, Farrell would have been way down my list of guesses. <laughs> yeah. Um. I I I don't even know who I'd I I try and guess, but it would not be him. Uh, what'd you think as uh of Jeffrey Wright as um as Gordon? Um, I think it was up and down. Um, I mm. think that overall, as as far as his portrayal went, overall, I think that he hit Gordon's motivations correctly. Mm-hmm. There were parts of his portrayal that I really liked. Um, the scene where they're interrogating Batman—well, or rather, he wakes up in the interrogation room—I should say. 
Um, and he's trying to keep all the other cops away from him. And they're just like, Oh, give me a few minutes. And he's like, look, hit, hit me, you know? Right. And, and then he's being a smart ass with him. And he's like, you could have pulled your punch a little bit and all that. Like, I really <laughs> like that. Uh, there were a couple of times though, where I was like, I, I don't know. I can't think of anything that stuck out to me specifically. I just remember sitting in the theater and thinking like, it's like, I'm watching somebody do, it's like, it, like, it just seemed to me that there were a couple of times where I was like, it's very obvious I'm watching someone try to act like the character of Jim Gordon that I have in mm. my head, um, which I I liked him better than Gary Oldman. As, really? Yeah, which is probably like blasphemous. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think so. I mean, I, I think I like Gary Oldman the best um, out of all the, the Jim Gordons that I know. Mm. But I, I just, this, the thing about that Gordon is like, of with with Oldman's performance is like I just never like I was always like oh it's Gary Oldman he's here now you know what I mean so I I think that's probably more of a me problem than a his portrayal of Jim Gordon problem sure. um whereas this one I was just like I like I said I accepted me and I was like okay this is this is the character of Jim Gordon and I, I like I didn't have any issues I know there was a big internet thing where they were like Jim Gordon can't be black and I was like why why not who gives a fuck <laughs> You know, that's you fucking yeah, those dumb. those people are some silly ass fuckers. Yeah, there's, there's there's there are real fucking things in the world to be worried about. That ain't one of them. You know? <laughs> yeah, like I mean, you know how fucking serious this is? Not very serious. Yeah. You're, you're arguing about a movie anyway. Well, that's a whole other rabbit hole. It's a fucking stupid discussion. We shouldn't even be getting into. But like, exactly. so it wasn't anything from that perspective. But like I said, I just I don't know. I think probably my issues minor though they are with his portrayal are more related to the script in those parts than, mm-hmm. than, than to him specifically. Because like I said, there were a lot of parts where I was like nail on the head. Um, I also, I also like that he's not the commissioner yet. Um, yeah. That, yeah. That, I that like that a cool. lot too. Like, yeah, he was lower in the ranks. Like yeah, he's like he, a uh, lieutenant, I think at this point, which, yeah, he, he's still got some pull. Like obviously like he, you know, he, He's uh he's got some pull because he can, you know, order all these you know beat yeah, cops some, to cache, yeah. yeah, to to get the fuck out of the room for you know a couple minutes, uh, but at the same time you can tell like he's he's not head honcho like he is. Yeah, and and I think that that's another that that really plays into the point you made earlier where it's like the movie doesn't spoon feed you everything like right. That's another thing where it's like, okay, you can tell by actions and dialogue that Gordon is somebody like he's right. got some cachet. He's clearly been a member of the GCPD for a while at this point, but he's not the commissioner yet. He's not the chief or anything. He's just like a Lieutenant or, or a detective or what have you, but he's still well-respected. So it's like, obviously he's had some, he's had a career of some, of some kind of some, something to speak of to this point, but He's not quite the top dog yet, but it doesn't just like feed you that, you know, right? Um, which which I think is really is really cool. Yeah. Um. So we'll uh, we'll touch on uh, Andy Circus as uh, as Alfred real quick, and then we'll we'll get to Paul Dano. Um. I I did like Andy Circus as um as uh, Alfred, but I felt like we didn't get enough. Like we got just the, the tip of the iceberg and maybe, maybe that's on purpose. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I still felt like the, the payoff, like at the end when, um, you know, they were talking and, you know, they were holding hands when he was in, uh, when he was at his bedside, like that, 
that moment still felt very poignant mm-hmm. um despite like alfred not being really a, a huge part of the movie but uh yeah that that scene where he's like drive like he's just speeding towards wayne manor mm-hmm. and uh, i mean little does he know that you know the the bomb already went it's already off. gone off yeah yeah um that that moment i was just like oh my god oh my god <laughs> <laughs> yeah i uh I like this portrayal. Um, or I guess I like this iteration more mm-hmm. so. I thought the portrayal was fine. Like, you know, I didn't yeah. really have anything wrong with it. I, I just like the characterization of it where it's like Alfred is the uh, more true to the comics than some of the other iterations I've seen where it's like, because in the comics, he's like a war hero and he did this and he did that. And Michael Caine's portrayal kind of brings up some of that from Nolan's trilogy where he was like, oh, I was in, where was like, the, the Congo or Sierra Leone or something where he's telling the story about the, Oh yeah. The, right. the, the gems and things. And it gives you a little bit of that, but like, he's basically fucking Rambo. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and so I kind of like that they, they did a little bit more of that in this one where he's like doing the code breaking and, and helping out more with some of the things. Whereas he's, he's not just like the stand in father figure for, for Batman or for Bruce Wayne. And, and this one, it's like, it's very clear that he's not, you know, right. he's sort of trying to be, but he understands that he's not. And Bruce is just not fucking having it. Cause he even mm-hmm. says at one point, like, I, you're not my father. Yeah. You know? So, um, like I said, it was fine. I, I just like the, I like the characterization of it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, no, I, I thought he did a pretty good job. I thought, uh, I thought Michael Caine, he nailed the sass of, yeah. uh, uh, of Alfred. It's only Michael Caine could. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, that sassy British man. Um, yeah, I just thought, I thought that I just thought Michael Caine was too old. Sure. No. And like, look, no, no disrespect intended to Michael Caine, who I'm a huge fan of. I will, mm-hmm. I, I am a Stan as the children say to Michael <laughs> Caine. Um, but in terms of like that world, it's like Batman's supposed to be like 30 something. Why is his butler like 94 years old? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I think, um, I don't know how old Andy Serkis is. I assume he's probably in his late forties or early fifties. Um, yeah, uh, that's, that's my guess. Uh, I'd say maybe a little older than that because he, he did a bunch of stuff with Lord of the Rings and that's, Oh my God, we're getting old. That was like 27 <laughs> years ago. So, so maybe, but I, I can't imagine he's much older than his mid fifties. So I think that makes more sense because if you look at the age, that Batman is, I'm guessing he's supposed to be in this film based mm-hmm. on some of the, some of the clues and some of the years that they mentioned, like that probably makes sense. He's probably, he would probably be around Bruce Wayne's parents age, maybe a little older. Yeah. You know? That, that, that was always my assumption for Alfred's age was that he would be close to his parents age, like Bruce yeah. Wayne or, um, uh, Thomas Wayne, his Thomas but- and Martha. Yeah. Yeah. His Butler or their Butler would be, like their age for I, I don't know just for whatever reason like mentally like i <laughs> with minimum effort <laughs> i just piece, yeah. puzzle piece yeah things I mean, together i mean it just that, that makes sense though give or take i mean even if you look at something like the animated series where it's clear that like alfred is older he's still like you would guess probably around the age that thomas and martha would be had they lived right so it's not mm-hmm. like you know he's not like a grandfather i mean he's like he's well, he is like grandfather, actually, I guess, but he's not like old enough to be Batman's grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Paul Dano as the Riddler. What do we think? 
I thought he was kind of fucking scary. <laughs> yeah, man. I got to be honest with you. Like, I'm, I like Paul Dano as an actor. Uh, I like everything I've seen him in, and I think he's a very interesting actor in that he doesn't. I think he takes on a lot of different roles, and he, he mm-hmm. gives a, a much different performance than some of the things I've seen him in than you might expect. One of one of my all time favorite films is There Will Be Blood, and he's oh, yeah. amazing in that. Mm-hmm. Um, he was amazing in this for different reasons. Um, he did not play a preacher in this, in this Well, of sorts, but no, (laughs) right. I I mean, a a preacher to, you know, some like, uh, not a Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, put a pin in that. I got a lot of thoughts. Um, but yeah, I, I thought he was really scary. I thought that he really, 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 I'm just going to say really and sound like a moron 400 times, but just the way he portrayed the character is like very clearly deranged mm-hmm. and trying to hold it together while being smart enough or intelligent enough to do that, you know, set everything up and plan everything out. I thought it was great. Yeah. Um, I thought he was scary. That fucking costume choice was next level. Um <laughs> Dude, because right? the the Riddler, like many comic book characters, is like gaudy and kind of dumb looking, it, right? Yeah, like all it, the question marks and shit is kind of stupid. Yeah, it, it's yeah. It, I mean, it's very very much meant for comic books. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I love the Riddler. He's probably my favorite Batman villain. Okay, um, but uh, you know, it's just, it's it's. it's it can be a goofy character, right? Mm-hmm. Like any, any other comic book character. If you sure. sit and think about it for more than 30 seconds, you're like, this is actually kind of fucking stupid, mm-hmm. you know, but, um, yeah, I, I thought that they adapted this for, yeah. for the screen and for this tone of a movie, uh, really well. hundred percent agreed. hundred percent agreed. Um, there were parts yeah. of it that I thought were a little reductive. Like, it's like, okay, man, we get it. You watch seven and then you backed it with Zodiac. It's like, okay, cool. <laughs> you know, but I mean, if you're going to ape, at least you're aping from good films, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I mean, you mentioned the, the costume choice. Uh, like I thought that was great. Um, I, I thought that combined with the sound design, like, like the isolation of the ripping of the duct tape. Yeah. Like, like just thinking about it sends like chills down my spine. Like, yeah. It's so creepy. The, the opening scene where the mayor is just walking and then you see the flash of light where his glasses light up. I was like, Oh shit. <laughs> oh dude. Like, uh, yeah. Like I audibly cast like, Oh shit. Cause honestly I had prepared myself. It's like, I thought we were just getting kind of a voyeuristic look at, and on, honest to God, I was like, oh, great. We're going to see Thomas and Martha Wayne fucking die for the thousandth time because that's, I, yeah, that's what and, I, and I thought we were looking at. And I think it kind of intentionally sets it up like that. And mm-hmm. then it turns to be, it turns out to be him like stalking the mayor to kill him. I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. Actually, you know, um, it, yeah. it, it was a very like Hitchcock esque sort of scene with the voyeurism. Like you would right. see in something like psycho, uh, the, the early, early minutes of psycho which which i, I mean obviously it's fucking psycho rules but mm-hmm. i thought it was great and and dano really knocked out of the park in my opinion the one thing that i don't know worked for me completely and i don't know that this is his fault like the very end where he's in arkham having the discussion with the joker ostensibly mm-hmm. yeah. i was like okay all right, it's a little much i think at this point but uh, up till then, I, and again, I think that might be, you know, there's a fair argument to be made that was more about the script choices at that time than than the rest of the movie. 
uh, or than the rest of than his portrayal. But overall, man, I thought he knocked it out of the fucking park. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Uh, yeah, regarding that uh, that that little thing at the end, um, I I didn't mind it. Uh, I I mean, I I don't think I loved it, but um, it it was fine. Um, I thought uh, of what we saw of oh, shit. What's his name that that played the Joker? He's not even credited as the Joker. Was it Barry? Uh, Barry. I don't know how to say his last name. Keon Keegan. Uh, hold on. Yeah, Barry Kogan. Co- Kogan, maybe. Yeah. Barry Kogan. Well, we'll say that's it. Um, yeah, he he's an interesting actor, and he has mm-hmm. a very interesting and distinctive face. Um, I, and I've really only seen him in a couple things. I, I know I saw he was in The Eternals, and he did a pretty good job in that. Um, it's very it's interesting that like all these actors are like going uh, are like crossing between Marvel and DC nowadays like well i mean 90 percent of the movies that come out are in Marvel DC movies, so that's probably the only fucking paychecks they can get <laughs> that's fair um but yeah I, I i thought i thought it was fine um I, I thought it was kind of like sweet and endearing and in a messed up way that he kind of found like a friend irl at yeah, the end I, like I think all maybe his, i'm just go ahead uh you know up until that point like all of his like friends were basically just his digital followers um that he probably never even met so uh you know now he he's you know surrounded by people that are uh, are just as crazy or crazier than him yeah i think i'm just jokered out man i just gotta be honest yeah no that that's that's totally fair um so uh, i mean we'll we'll talk about this here in a little bit um as far as what it's potentially setting up for um in mm. the future for the the p- possible trilogy that i i think we're supposed to get out of this yeah so, so that's that's what uh everybody's saying is this is supposed to be the first of a new trilogy and they're apparently going all in on um what people are calling the pat the batten verse <laughs> right yeah yeah um where it's going to be supposed to be three movies in this universe plus a couple of HBO Max shows. Yeah, um, I heard about that. I, I think we're we're actually supposed to get an HBO Max spinoff before the next movie. I I don't think it's supposed to come out until like twenty twenty four or twenty twenty five. Yeah, I, I, I would be surprised. Movie. Yeah, um, which is you know of course a bummer, but you know we wait like there was like two years in between getting the first teaser trailer for this movie and then the actual movie dropping. Yeah. Part, part of that's because of COVID of course, but sure. Yeah. You know, it's still, I would rather they take their time and make a good film rather than yes. trying to rush it out and just be like, Hey, you remember that movie you liked the Batman? Here's the same movie, but with a different villain who has no motivations to speak of that we could think of. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, yeah. and they, and they can still dunk on James Cameron because it'll be like 12 fucking years in between <laughs> avatar one and two. So, you know avatar is such a strange case study because it's like it was such it was like a cultural phenomenon yeah right like you don't get to make that kind of money without being a huge pop culture thing Mm -hmm. and then like two years later everybody just agreed to forget about it (laughs) you know it's just weird yeah like the the rose color glasses like dropped off or or i guess the 3d glasses dropped off yeah (laughs) it's just one of those things where like cameron made the film at the right time in terms yeah. of like leveraging the technology that was available 
and then dumping it in IMAX 3D. And like, everybody was like, you got to see it. It's an experience. And I'm sure it was like, I didn't see it in theaters because I thought the movie looked fucking dumb. <laughs> and, then I, and then I'm sorry, James Cameron. I love you, man. I really do. But that movie was fucking stupid. And then I remember one of my, uh, my roommate, a friend of mine that I was living with at the time was like, bro, we got to watch it. We got to watch it. We got to watch it. And like, he had a nice TV. We had a nice TV on the living room. We watched it. And I was just like, how, why is this movie so fucking long? Why is it so bad? Like this. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. I, one last thing about characters. Uh, and, and this is the, the one note that I told you I added. Um, the, Gotham City. Okay. It's finally as fucking gross and disgusting as you're led to believe it is. Dude, right? Yeah. yeah. Like they really nailed. I loved that. It's very clearly like it, it's very clearly like there's part of it that's based on like Manhattan. There's part of it that looks like Pittsburgh. There's part of it that looks like Chicago. Well, like, well, like the elevated trains. And so like I'm glad that there's some some things. I'm not sure where they filmed this, you know, and, and a lot of the city I'm, I'm sure was probably computer generated. But mm-hmm. um, there's things that you're like, oh, that's that's identifiable as like a real part of a city. But then there's the really, truly like gotham elements of it where it's like you see the part that is basically Times square yeah but then there's all the old like art deco lighting that's like like gotham theater and and shit yeah it's like Times square but they never cleaned it up after the 60s and 70s like porn still reigns supreme it's it's basically (laughs) like they took the new york from taxi driver and (laughs) and were like hey it's 47 years into the future now um and like to me, that's always the part of like the one of the glaring things about the Nolan trilogy is just like Gotham just looks like a regular fucking city. Like mm-hmm. it, it, the first two were filmed in Chicago; it's very obviously Chicago. The last one was filmed in Pittsburgh; it's very obviously Pittsburgh. And like I'm not knocking those cities; I've been to Chicago a few times. I enjoyed it. I've never been to Pittsburgh, but like I don't have anything against the city itself or or anything, you know. But it's like okay, but it's not Gotham, right? Mm-hmm. And then you like me growing up watching like the animated series which had a very stylized art deco kind of look to it and then playing the arkham games which has that same gritty disgusting like why would anybody want to fucking live here like (laughs) gotham is almost a character unto itself right so yeah the way it's described is just like and in this film too it's super corrupt you know the mob controls everything you know, you can't get out. People are just fucking trapped there. Mm-hmm. And then you see this Gotham and there's like, there's very clearly like an inequality to the city where like Bruce Wayne literally lives in a tower. You right. know what I mean? And looks down on the city. And then there's a the stuff where it's like on the one hand, it's super futuristic and, and like LED boards, but there's still all the old, like old school art deco fucking like hand bulb, like actual bulb lights and, mm-hmm. and everything. And then you go and you see like the waterfront where the penguins club is. And it's just like, there's the over city. And then there's like the underbelly of it. And I was like, this is, that is what Gotham always was to me from whatever, yeah. like reading the comics or watching the animated series or playing the games or anything and even like burton's batman i think was a little too goth like it put the goth in gotham Um, (laughs) right but but like it kind of got that like grittiness to it and i think this one was a good marriage of like i said there's a few parts of a few parts where i'm like that looks a little like downtown chicago and then like within two frames it's just like disgusting again and you're like okay (laughs) yeah that's Gotham, you know (laughs) yeah like my my thought was like it's raining the entire time. Like this, here's the situation. 
forget the fact that all the police are corrupt and the police are controlled by the mob. They, they can never, uh, fix and upgrade anything within Gotham because it will never stop fucking raining. Yeah. <laughs> they can't get any construction done because I was like, man, if raining. you put this movie up against seven and the crow as to what movie has the most rain, it <laughs> might be a three-way tie. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of rain. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean, it, it did make things look really pretty. Like this movie is fucking beautiful. Like you, uh, like I put it in my notes, like you could take a still shot from any single frame of this movie and frame it and put it on a wall. Like, yeah. uh, I, yeah, I, I just, that, that is hands down. My favorite aspect of this movie is, is the cinematography. It's it just it blew me away at, at how pretty it was and um, how everything was framed and shot. It just yeah blew me away. Um, uh, and additionally to you know to the tone and feel and look and and everything, like I absolutely adored the the detective noir or neo noir style of the movie. Yeah. Um, you know, we were kind of talking about how they leaned pretty heavily into the the detective side of of uh things and detective side of batman and i you know is only fitting that um it felt tonally uh like a noir as well so yeah it definitely had a lot of uh noirish neo-noirish tendencies mm-hmm. um and i mean you know your results may vary um I, I thought that was cool. Like you said, uh, yeah. I, it seemed like it came from a genuine place. If that makes sense, where it's like, everybody talks about, uh, I hate to do it. I've been on the podcast for so long. I don't want to shit on the MCU on the first one back, but <laughs> no worries where everybody talks about like Captain America, the winter soldier is like the best seventies crime thriller since this era, political crime thriller since the seventies. And I'm just like, no, it's not even top 10, man. Like, sit down. Uh, and, like, I'm not going to put this movie up against, like, you know, the Maltese Falcon or something. It's like, what is a better noir film? Or against Chinatown, it's like, what is a better neo-noir film? Because, like, it loses in both instances, right? But mm-hmm. it did seem like it came from a genuine place. Like, I remember Matt Reeves saying, in, in the early, like, when he was still writing the film, you know, after it had been announced and he had been attached to it and he was talking about the script, he was like, you know, I've been listening to a lot of the Taxi Driver soundtrack and um, trying to get that just gritty, you know, noir, neo-noir type type thing to not, not the Taxi Driver's, you know, particularly noir or anything, yeah. but just that, that kind of feel to it. Um, right. And which I appreciated, you know, being a fan of all those kind of movies. So uh, I thought that was great. And like I said, I, I think they really... I think of all the Batman live action Batman films, this is the one that really nailed a lot of the looks and feels of the character and his surroundings. Yeah, for sure. No, I I thought this, like the movie felt like it was ripped straight from the pages of a comic book. It, It felt very pulpy. Right, yeah. like very, very Pulp Fiction-y. And I don't mean that in the sense of like comparing it to the movie Pulp Fiction, but like right. li- literally it, it felt like a very pulpy mm-hmm. comic book type of, 
you know, storyline or and, and universe. Yeah, my mind kept going to Sin City. Like the yes. and yeah, like the adaptation that. of that. Yeah. Like I mean, obviously they're they're different movies, but you know, Sin City also has a very uh similar feel to it. Everything mm-hmm. is gross, it's always raining. Yeah. Um there's a lot of corruption, <clears throat> a lot of, you know, a mob uh involvement and, and whatnot. So uh, there's a lot of similarities. So my mind uh, was, you know, going to Sin City a lot. And yeah, making, I, I could definitely see that. Yeah. Making similar comparisons. I'm, you know, I, I bet this movie would look fucking dope as shit in black and white. Uh, you know what? Uh, it would be pretty cool if uh, hope, they pulled a, a George Miller for the, yeah, the I was Blu-ray just thinking, release. I hope on the and, uh, Blu-ray release they get they do that same kind of thing. I think I think the Logan Blu-ray did the same thing. Where oh, it, did they? The, yeah, where it had like the full color theatrical release, and then it had um, the Mad Max Fury was a black and chrome edition, if I recall right. correctly. And then I think Logan, <clears throat> when that released, had one called Logan Noir, which was again just the same oh, film, right, but in black yeah. and white. Um, and you know, not every movie needs to come out in a black and white version, but sure. I think this one would look fucking sick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it would. Um, or in that Sin City kind of palette where it's like predominantly black and white, and then there's like stark flashes of color. Right. Yeah, yeah. That, would look, that would be cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's talk about uh, the tech and the Batmobile. Um, I, uh, I, I guess there wasn't a huge showcase of batman's tech in this movie but um i did i i connected the dots with this after the fact but his his contact lens that let him like identify people mm-hmm. i was like that is really cool why does that feel so familiar and it felt familiar because i just read volume one of uh fuck what is it called? court of owls yeah um yeah. and he has that same tech in there. And I don't think that was by accident because, um, there, there's been a lot of buzz on the, uh, the YouTube sphere, um, and just online that that's what this movie is setting up for in the future is the court of uh, yeah, storyline. I, I, I can see that. Uh, I thought, um, we'll put it, we'll put a pin in that because yeah. I want to revisit it, but I kind of got the feeling as Riddler was blowing the uh, walls up and the flooding was coming in. I got the, uh, the vibe that they were going to try and go for something super big. Like, um, Oh gosh, what's the, the, the storyline where, cause they're saying it's under martial law. This, the storyline cataclysm where, cataclysm. Yeah. 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 Something uh, similar to that. Yeah. My um, buddy, uh, uh, Zach Rancourt from the don't be crazy podcast, we were talking about this earlier and uh, he was like, yeah, they all also pulled uh, inspiration from cataclysm. And I was like, I feel like that name sounds familiar. And I think it was an iteration that you had mentioned previously, maybe on our uh, Batman 50th yeah. episode episode. Yeah. So um, yeah. Anyways, continue. <laughs> but um, yeah, getting back to the tech, um, I, I thought this walked a good line between showing that he, he being Batman like has the capacity for all this stuff. Like he, he has the supercomputer in the cave and mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the context and stuff without going like super techie, like the Nolan films did. Sure. Um, I, I mean, there's an argument, 
an argument to be made, I'm sure, that these films also had a lot of super techie stuff. Like he's got the flight suit, for example, and, mm, and yeah. everything. But at the same time, he's also like sort of retro or low tech, like the Batmobile, which might be might be my favorite live action iteration. It's, it's fucking dope as shit. Yeah. <laughs> American because, muscle. Yeah. God gave me eight cylinders and I'm going to use every one of them. <laughs> exactly. Dude. Yeah. When he lights up that dark ass alleyway <laughs> and there's just fire coming out of everything. I was like, yes. yeah, <laughs> yeah he, he scares the shit out of like, every, like he, he literally <laughs> scares the piss out of everyone. They all get in their cars yeah. and drive away. He just shows up. He's like, that's my Dodge. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I got Vin Diesel in the passenger seat. Motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I really, really dug the Batmobile. Um, yeah. I, I I dug that it was like kind of believable, right? Like, yeah. you know, um, again, kind of believable. And I've made this point before and I wish I could remember who I, I'm, I'm stealing this from. I, I'm pretty sure it's from an old wizard magazine, but like there's a difference between believable and realistic. A believable Batman story is he has a muscle car with a jet engine. A realistic Batman story is he's fighting crime on a rooftop and falls 30 stories to his death in the rain. <laughs> like, you know, it, for sure, but I, I really, I really dug that. Like the technology seemed believable, right? Yeah. Like that was that was the big thing about, especially Nolan. And I don't want to shit on the Nolan trilogy because I, I really enjoy those movies for what they, what they are and, mm-hmm. and everything. And I, I think Nolan's a very good director. Um, but like they got a little too science fiction in places. I think like the, the big thing that everybody talks about is at the end of the Dark Knight with all the echolocation stuff. Oh, yeah. And like, like I'm not going to say that's terrible, but at the same time, it's like, all right, let's reel it in, Chris. Let's reel it in. You know? <laughs> um, yeah. And, and I think this one did a better job of walking a fine line between things that are like obviously high tech or super high tech, but also kind of believable as things that are real, you know? Yeah. Like he has like, uh, he pulled that thing in his bat suit and it turned his suit into a squirrel suit. So he could, repel off of the uh, right the building and he actually like you could see the look on his face like he he was like shit i i just realized that i've never done this before and then he like hits the bridge and like actually falls like to the ground yeah i i I looked at uh i looked at my partner um as we were watching i was like that's a couple of broken ribs (laughs) (laughs) he's having a bad a bad night yeah um yeah, he he had a he had a couple bad nights during this movie. Mm, yeah, he's he's going to have some bruises at the very least. Yeah, just a couple. Um <clears throat> let's see. Uh so we we kind of talked about Paul Dano like as the Riddler. Um wanted to talk about just like the Riddler in general, like his his motivation, like his backstory, um and uh just like the events that he puts in place mm-hmm. um, uh, during during the film, and uh, yeah, I, I I guess I just wanted to hear your take on it because, uh, like, you know, the, we we talked a little bit about this when um, when we first started talking about the Riddler, how they took some liberties and kind of adapted uh, the Riddler, like, especially when it came to his costume, mm-hmm. like, uh, for, for current times, you know, cause having, you know, a cane and a top hat would just be kind of fucking silly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they changed his name from Edward Nigma to Edward Nashton, which I think is, 
Edward Nigma, Enigma is a name that really only works in comics. Sure. You know, yeah. so yeah, that um, yeah, that makes sense. I, I like that change as well. I, I think that excuse me, yeah. I mean I I liked the changes they made to his motivations, so to speak. Like it it would have been very easy for for them to have saved the Riddler for like the second movie and been like, Oh, Batman's unknown quantity at this point. You've got the first film and you know, some of the Riddler's kind of historic motivations have been like to prove that he's the smartest man. He's smarter than the great detective Batman and this and that. Mm-hmm. And um, I think they kind of left that open because there's the discussion at the end where he's like, you didn't figure it out, you know, and, and the wheels kind of start turning. So I think it, they left it open as that could be some later character motivation for the mm-hmm. Riddler. But as far as his motivation for this film specifically and wanting to like, you know, uh, thinking that he's waging this holy war more or less uh, trying to bring all the corruption to light and 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 be a force of good in a way mm-hmm. for Gotham like I thought that was cool you know I thought that was an interesting take on it yeah yeah for sure I I really liked the the information dump uh that he did uh like intentionally for Bruce mm-hmm. when um you know he I, I can't remember exactly what happened. Like he opened up a file on his computer and all of a sudden like, uh, or maybe he was watching something like one of his videos. And, um, I had my own, like, like Leonardo DiCaprio moment, like the meme from, uh, once upon oh, a time once in upon Hollywood. Time where he's like, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. Where he, it, it had hush in big black letters, yeah. like written across a newspaper or whatever. I was like, Oh, I get that reference. I yeah. get that reference. Um, I've read like three Batman comic books and that was one of them. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, it, it did feel like they kind of pulled a little bit from the hush storyline, but, uh, uh, yeah, for the most part, like I, I really, uh, I dug his, his motivation and the, like, it didn't feel schlocky. It didn't feel uh, you know, forceful. Right. Um, it made sense. Um, mm-hmm. I, I know some people are going to have issues with the whole, like, you know, he's basically a stand in for Q right now. Um, but I think that's just like art imitating life, life imitating art or what have you. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that kind of makes sense to, to kind of translate it that way for today's times to put it in a way that, that makes sense for for contemporary reasons and something that translates well on screen it's just my opinion but yeah i mean i i can kind of come from or get where you're coming from with that and understand what you're saying um i thought that that whole storyline at the end where he's got where they're like he's got 500 followers mostly fringe people that could have just been a throwaway <laughs> line you know what I mean? And then where he's like sending it out and you realize that he's setting up like a, a domestic terrorist attack. And I was just mm-hmm. kind of like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, speak, uh, you know, we, we haven't touched too much on like issues that we had with the movie, or at least I, I haven't uh, really elaborated on any issues. That was probably one of the biggest ones. Um, yeah. At the end, it felt a little too tacked on 
and unnecessary. Yeah, unnecessary is exactly how I felt about it. Um, yeah. Look, like, I, I'm not trying to be one of those people, again, like one of these two online people that's like, mm, actually, art isn't political. I'm like, shut the fuck up. Art is definitely <laughs> political. It doesn't always have to be, right? Like, not everything right. that's ever been created as art has been political, but like, you know, art and politics have always been, yeah. they've always been intertwined, right? Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not one of those fucking mouth breathers, but at the same time, I was just like, okay, if you're going to do this, do it in a way that's not fucking ham fisted, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like, like you said, he's basically the stand in for like Q or one of these super, super ultra pseudo right wing, you know, groups or, or whatever. And I was just like, I mean, okay. Like it's not, it could have been done a lot worse. I, I will, I will give that. But at the same sure. time, it's just like. <clears throat> I feel like the last basically half hour, at least of this movie didn't need to exist. Yeah. uh, I'm inclined to agree with you there. I Uh, I think they just try to do too much. Like it's the first movie. mm -hmm. Now, if it's the only movie you're going to do, fuck it, throw the kitchen sink in there. Yeah. But you're talking about, this is like the first movie in a new trilogy. It's like, man, you've already shown basically the worst case scenario ever. What what are you going to do next? Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, where do you go from here? What's your next? You know, that was my big thing with, with the MCU is like, okay, so your first villain is Thanos. What the fuck? You know what I mean? What do you do after that? You know? Um, so I just, I think I've kind of transitioned us into talking about the things about the film that we don't like that much, Mm -hmm. but I think that they just try to do too much and, and therefore the movie is too long. Like I, I remember looking, I felt I was watching the movie and I felt like, all right, we're, we're starting to get to the point where we wrap up. And I looked at, uh, I looked, I looked at my partner's watch and there was still over a fucking hour left. I was like, what else are they going to (laughs) do? Are the credits 35 minutes long? I was just like, I don't know how the fuck. Uh, And then there's just like, it just kept going. And I don't want to say that I feel, I feel like the movie dragged out because like we said this at the beginning, like you feel like it's three hours long because it Mm -hmm. is, but it's not like the most unenjoyable three hours you'll ever have. Like I have sat through movies that are shorter that felt longer. Right. (laughs) Right. So I I don't necessarily think that like, I think it moves along well and it it doesn't, you know, I don't think it drags too much. There's a couple of parts from like, man, that could have been a minute shorter or something, but I I just feel like the last half hour or 45 minutes, basically everything from his capture to the end, I was like, this could have been a 15 minute sequence. You know what I mean? Right. And I just think they were just like, Oh, there's the bombs. Oh. And now there's all these guys that somehow inexplicably got to the top of Madison square garden or excuse me, <laughs> Gotham square garden. You right. know? <laughs> For fuck's sake, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you there. Um, I, I felt like that part was a little unnecessary, but at the end of the day, it's it's fine. I, I didn't mind it. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it didn't kill the movie for me, and I'm not I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, I fucking hated it. It ruined everything. Like, I still really enjoyed the movie. Right. I still think that there were really cool parts within that last you know half hour, forty five minutes, or, or what have you, where that was happening. Where I was like, this is a very this is very cool that this is happening. But at the same time, it's just like didn't need to happen. Yeah, and plus, it, you know, it gave Catwoman some extra time to kick That's some true. ass. That's true. Um, you know, and come and save Bruce uh, or, or you know Batman because. That's that happens a lot in the comic books. Yeah, where he was it, he was about to get got too. 
<laughs> yeah, he uh, he was about to get shot right in the fucking face. Yeah, it was about to end very badly for yeah, Mr. That, Wayne. Um, as far as I know, the cowl d- is not bulletproof. So um, probably not from a double barrel shotgun. No, <laughs> yeah, at point blank range. Yeah, yeah, not not so much. But uh, yeah, just one more note on um, the the Riddler and his motivation. Like I, I I liked where they went with it, where he was a uh, an orphan of the the Wayne Foundation, mm-hmm. and it, you know, and then that ended up going kaput. And you know, he, he talks about being uh, you know growing up uh, with Bruce Wayne being the only orphan that anyone fucking cares about. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I I feel like this is a storyline that we've heard a lot, you know, in, in comic books, comic book movies and non-comic book movies, but it makes a lot of sense in this context. Yeah. I feel like that was one of the instances where the movie got political and it, it didn't feel forced Mm-hmm. like i feels like this is this seems like a very natural reaction to that circumstance yeah and uh i think i think it was handled really well or was written really well i should say i i feel like it really it really worked in the yeah. universe that they've created for it yeah for sure i mean you know you gotta imagine like growing up uh in an orphanage um <laughs> Not and, ideal. And, uh, <laughs> right. Not ideal to begin with, Not but ideal. like, no, uh, the, the only orphan that anyone ever really cares about or talks about is one that uh, will never have to worry about money a day in their life. Yeah. Um, so yeah, totally get it. Uh, so uh, we're closing in on the uh, talking points that we have. Um, let's, let's get into some predictions for what we might see going forward um you uh you got any predictions i've i haven't had a chance to watch a ton of like youtube videos and Mm. read you know read articles and whatnot i've mostly just been bouncing things off of uh people who know more than i do like you and um my other friend zach and um yeah it most of what i've read and heard it, it all kind of points to the court of owls um and possibly getting some joker thrown in there as well yeah Um, i mean uh obviously the film established that the joker exists matt reeves came out was like yes that's the joker um but he also was like you know just because we did that this isn't like an easter egg that you'd see in like a marvel movie where it's like this is setting up for the next film you know he's like he exists but that doesn't mean he's going to be the next villain you know Mm -hmm. um uh court of owls would be cool that's something that hasn't been adapted uh in, in a I, I would in a live action yeah i would really like to see that because like i said i um i just read the first volume of the court of owls and that shit is fucking terrifying he yeah. beats the ever living piss out <laughs> of batman like have you ever read uh the court of owls i i think i asked you a I, long I, time I, ago i think i read it once yeah it they are scary and yeah. they're just like oh you killed that one that's fine we'll just make more <laughs> yeah um one, one thing i did see is that um if you go to the the website the, the easter egg website that everybody's talking about the um I haven't been there yet. I think it's Rada El Alada or something. It, oh, it's, yeah, it's from, yeah, it's from right. the film. It's basically the same website they go to uh, in the film. Um, it pops up and 
somebody on the internet uh, who's more of a turbo nerd than I am mm-hmm. was like looking at the different what are like fake ISP addresses mm-hmm. on there, and they were they broke it down and they were like these are um, day month year for comic books. Mm. And it was like famous issues in Batman's history, like first first appearance of the Joker, first appearance of Jim Gordon, blah, blah, blah. And there were two left that hadn't been uh, filled in any further. Uh, one of them was the film's release date, May 4th, 2022. And the other one, I don't remember the day, um, but it was the first appearance of Two-Face. Oh, okay. Or I'm sorry, not the first appearance of Two-Face, but uh, a, a Two-Face-centric um book that was a big a big two-faced storyline where he breaks out of arkham so i that may be a direction that they go with it personally i would like for this to be more like the burton films where harvey dent is a character and doesn't just become two-faced halfway through the film Mm -hmm. and like like he kind of did in the dark knight again not just on the dark knight because i love that movie but um just you know, something I, different. I, I, yeah, I would just like it to be where, like, there's Harvey Dent, the, the the DA, for a little bit of time. I personally, and this is just me selfishly wanting this, I would very much like it if they did uh, the long Halloween storyline. Sure. Uh, that way you get Dent as Dent for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he does become Two-Face towards the end of that. Um, if I recall correctly, it's been a while since I've read it, but you still get dent for a while, or even if they want to stretch that out as kind of like a backstory for two films, you know, Mm -hmm. that would be cool. Um, where it's not the main story for the first part of the, the, you know, like the second movie in the trilogy. And then the third movie, he's two face and he, you know, he becomes two face at the start of it. And they do that. That would be cool. Yeah. There's so many cool Batman villains. And I feel like it's always just like, I don't want to see Bane again. I mean, I do, I'd like to see another iteration of Bane, but like not right now. Uh, I don't really want to see another Joker. Um, I, f- I feel like Matt Reeves respects Batman and the franchise right. way too much to to rehash something that we've all seen before. I, I feel like he's he's got too much up his sleeve to mm-hmm. to just kind of wipe off and polish what we already know. Yeah, um, so um, I, I would like to see some of the more lesser known yeah some of the lesser known villains isn't there isn't there talk uh sorry i didn't mean to cut you off um of uh what's uh, mr freeze mr freeze would be cool um a realistic take on mr freeze i think or at least a believable one as in this universe would be difficult but i'd like to see Mm -hmm. him try it yeah um I mean, obviously the penguin's still around and it kind of sets up that he's going to be taking over the mob stuff. And it even says at the end of it, like, you know, there's going to be, I I think Catwoman says it where she's like, there's going to be a power grab. And then it kind of does a cut to him standing in front of the window, looking over things. Mm. And so like, I think he's going to be in it, whether he's going to be the quote unquote big bad. I don't know. Um, I think he's going to be a player though, so to speak. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I just, I don't want to see the same fight. Like poison Ivy would be cool. Again, I think that would be a tough character to bring into a more believable sort of universe, but I think she would be a cool character to have. Uh, yeah. Poison Ivy is an amazing <laughs> villain. She, yeah. I mean, and I'm not just saying that cause she is, um, you know, attractive, but, uh, yeah, she's, she's amazing. And plus she would bring some added representation, um, to the, the mix. Cause I believe she's at least bisexual. I don't know if, uh, it depends uh, on 
you know, the origin. It, like anything else, it depends on which iteration. Because, like I was, ex- I was explaining last night to my partner, where it's like, you know, it depends on which author you're reading. You know, for some of this stuff, right? right? Yeah, I, I did kind of read that. Read as in read into the film, not read anything. You know, like literature or mm-hmm. an interview or anything. I kind of read into the film that Catwoman, Selena Kyle, and this was bisexual. Uh, yeah, I I could see that. Um, yeah, I, I, that's another thing I feel like, I mean, we've, we've already talked about how Matt Reeves has been, uh, one thing he did really well with this movie is like saying things without saying them, Mm -hmm. you know, not beating you over the head with exposition and, and whatnot, like just pointing like, Oh, look what they did here. Um, so I feel like he could bring some representation to the screen, um, in, in a non ham fisted way. So, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, uh, th- th- those are kind of my thoughts on the film. I don't know if you have anything else you want to cover. Or if- uh, I, f- I mean, I feel like we could talk, uh, we could easily made this a three hour podcast to match the three hour movie. Nobody wants that. <laughs> Least of Pre- all me. <laughs> right. Precisely. We, we got shit to do. Um, and, winks to catch because uh we both work in the morning so it's true uh you want to uh sign off with our shit that doesn't suck and then sign off for real yeah shit that doesn't suck So I took uh, I took my brother Ben to go see uh, Studio 666, um, the Foo Fighters movie. Oh, you say that's the Dave Grohl movie, right? Yeah, yeah. it is fucking amazing. Uh, it makes no sense. Uh, <laughs> like it's I mean, it's basically like a horror comedy. Um, but, you know, Dave Grohl, he gets possessed by the devil and then like kills his bandmates. It's <laughs> It's wonderful and bloody sounds, and gory yeah. and, and amazing. And it's got a, a couple of small surprise cameos in there. That's uh, it's nothing that's going to knock your socks off, but you'll be like, Oh, Hey, look at that. Um, yeah. And then uh, I recently watched the, um, <clears throat> the Amazon original movie. I want you back with uh, has, uh, let's see, Charlie day. And um Oh man, I always forget her name. She played uh, Mona Lisa Saperstein in Parks and Rec. Uh, let's see, uh, Jenny Slate. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Jenny. I know you're listening to this podcast. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's a it's a, a rom com, and it's on Amazon Prime. I definitely recommend that. It's uh, very very funny. So yeah, that's okay. that's what I got this week. All right. Well, I will. Uh, I will throw out two as well. Uh, the first one is a bit of a, a departure because it's shit that does suck, um, and that is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre reboot. I fucking hated that movie, and I I considered cutting you out of my life after you suggested it to me. <laughs> hey, it, it, to be fair, you you were gonna watch it anyways. That's true. I was because I hate myself. Uh, <laughs> We'll, we'll just chalk it up to the kills were great. The storyline yeah. was kind of trash. 
Yeah. Uh, I think I texted you literally five minutes and 30 seconds into the movie. I remember this because I paused it and texted you this, that I hated it and I hated you. <laughs> <laughs> and I but, texted back something to the effect of, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I hate not as much as I hate myself. <laughs> yeah. Fair. Uh, something out of left field. Uh, Cause I've been really busy. I haven't had a chance to watch as many movies as, as I would have normally liked, but um I've been really into like alien themed death metal recently. A- alien themed yeah. death metal. Yeah, what it's it- one of those weird specific things that I just fixate on because I think I'm on spectrum and that's how it represents or how it presents in me where I just get hyper fixated on stupid shit that nobody else cares about. All right. Uh, but yeah, like alien theme. I'm very into like I've always been a metalhead, right? You know that mm-hmm. about me. I've always right. been in a death metal. And then like a, a friend of mine, another friend of mine um recommended this band and i was like this band fucking rules and they're and they're, like, they're like alien themed right and i was like that's cool because most death metal bands are either like we hate god we love satan or we're gonna kill this woman in gruesome ways and that's just kind of you know you just accept these things as as a fan of the genre sure but then there's just like some dudes who are like we're gonna do a bunch of acid and sing about fucking aliens bro and i'm just like yes that is <laughs> that is awesome and then apparently this is a whole like subgenre i didn't know existed so i've been into this heavy for the last like three weeks so you're, you're basically telling me it's like coating cambria but it doesn't suck <laughs> i'm just joking coating cambria <laughs> is a fine band i'm just not it's just their fans that we hate it's just <laughs> oh my god it really is kind of one yeah. of those bands where like yeah a lot they're of very the talented fans... it's it's like tool right i can appreciate that yes. everybody in tool is very talented I, there's never ever in the world been a tool fan i didn't want to punch in the face <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, I have plenty of friends that are into Coheed, but uh, yeah. I just—it's not my ties and knots. Uh, yeah. I, I can respect that they're very talented guys, talented mm. musicians, and and I can't remember the the like the front man's name, the lead singer's uh, name, Sanchez, uh, something Sanchez. Uh, sure, I have no idea, uh, but I, I know he like Cla- Claudio also- Sanchez. I yeah, think that's, I think yeah. Claudio's right. At least I don't know, but anyway, I know he's written like comic books and like all their songs and all yeah. their albums kind of tie together. He's got like a a giant like overarching story, and that's cool. Like, hey, yeah. hey, man, that's that's dope. Your music just doesn't do it for me, man. And mm-hmm. that's not, but anyway, yeah, Alien to Death Metal. I don't know that we got a weird there. But, yeah, that's uh, yeah. that's my fault. I hijacked <laughs> the conversation when it I... starts at Alien themed Death Metal. <laughs> There's only one way that ends up. Yeah. And surprisingly, we didn't find a way to to bring up Tom DeLonge in, in, in the mix. So. That's only because we got off on the Coheed tangent. You had given me another 30 seconds, we'd have we'd gotten there. Right. Exactly. Uh, all right. Well, Ted, thank you so much for coming back on. It was, it was good to, to have you on again. Reminisce yeah, it was a Felt like uh, felt like old times. Felt like a a worn in uh, baseball glove. I'm sure there's a, a less gross metaphor to <laughs> to bring up there, but whatever. It could have been worse. You could have said a well worn condom. So <laughs> uh, I I could have, um, but you, you said <laughs> I, I that. Purposely I purposely chose not to do that, Ted. Thank you for. That. <laughs> yeah, it's it's cool. We can cut that out. I won't. Totally. Cut, I mean, you know, we're no. gonna leave it. Yep, leave it because uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, it. <laughs> adds uh, it's one of the 11 herbs and spices to the geek garage (laughs) podcast that's what it gives it that tangy flavor we've all come to enjoy (laughs) we as in like the three of us (laughs) well that was spermicide (laughs) (laughs) 
anyways, uh, listeners, if you held on this long, thank you so much, and I'm sorry, as usual. So am I. Uh, <laughs> uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast, leave us a rating and review on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and uh, Stitcher, I think. And, um... Yeah, be kind, stay geeky, and eat lots of cheesecake. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for coming, everybody. Have fun. Bye, everybody. <laughs>